So it's good to be free and to enjoy the freedom that we have been gifted with as citizens of this nation. But I want you to understand with me that freedom goes back a lot further than American history. The value of freedom, the concept of freedom, what it is and how important it is, particularly to life in Christ. So let's begin here with recognizing the call to freedom that God gives to each one of us. This is the heart of God, the heart of God for each and every one of us. He has called us and invited us to live in freedom. Here again, the words of Galatians 5.13. Listen again to this amazing declaration and consider what it means for you. Galatians 5.13, Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Called. So again, the calling of God is for each one of us to live in freedom. Now, as you think about that statement, let's dissect it together for a a few moments. Let's start with what a calling is. This is one of those religious terms that isn't commonly uh, understood or used uh, by the world at large, but I hope for many of you it's, it's a familiar concept. I don't always or often resort to quoting from the dictionary uh, when I preach, but in this case, Merriam-Webster actually gets it right, and uh, um, the, de- the dictionary definition of calling is a good one because it reflects the presence of God communicating his heart and will to people. Here's, here's the way that the definition is, pu- is put. A strong inner impulse toward a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by a conviction of divine influence. Think about that. Listen to it again. A strong inner impulse toward a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. God is influencing us speaking to us, calling out to us, and inviting us into a particular way of life as followers of Jesus Christ. And that way of life is marked by freedom, defined by freedom. It's the heart of God that we would live in freedom. In simpler terms, if I can put it in my own language, uh, basically what, what Paul's saying is that that, that living in freedom, responding to the call of God, involves our, our response to his initiative, our, our answer to his invitation, right? God's communication of his will and his ways always requires our response. So with regard to anything that God wants for us, and freedom in particular, There's an invitation given, a calling that's placed upon us, but we have to respond to experience that reality. God doesn't do this to us without our partnership, without our acquiescence, without our agreement. You can't live in freedom, that is freedom in Christ specifically, unless you choose to actively respond 
to the invitation and call of God. So what this means then is if God is indeed the one calling us into a life of freedom, he values freedom for us, and we have to value it enough to want to experience more and more of it, to receive the life that he offers us in Christ. It's the heart of God for us to live in freedom and thereby discover the joy and the peace that results from freedom. But the reality is there are many people not experiencing the freedom in Christ that they've been offered, even Christians. And so we're going to talk about that struggle. We're going to talk about the the difference between the way of life that we've been offered, called into, and the experience that we're living in. Now, as we think about this concept of freedom, I'm reminded of some famous words that all of us as Americans are likely familiar with. Perhaps your mind has already gone to the opening, uh, the opening lines of the Declaration of Independence, penned many uh, years ago by Thomas Jefferson and then edited by the committee that worked with him on the Declaration. Here's what he wrote, or at least how it was edited into its final form. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Think about that statement and what it reflects. What it means is that our nation was uniquely founded upon the principle and the value of individual liberty, which is meant to be understood as a basic human right that is given to every person by God himself. So it's fair to say then that the sentiment of of Jefferson and of our nation's founding fathers was that liberty or freedom is the desire and intention of God for every human being. Not just every American citizen, but every citizen on planet Earth. It's God's heart for us to live in freedom. And government is meant, when it's done God's way, to protect that right, not to deny it. Now, fast forward a few years to the era just after the Civil War, in American history, and you'll find this value re-emphasized in another famous quote that I'm sure many of you will recognize and remember. It's from our Pledge of Allegiance, written in the 1890s. It was written, actually, by a pastor. Maybe you didn't know that. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, which is meant to be, One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Liberty and justice for all. That's the American ideal. That's the American ideal. It was reemphasized again years later by Martin Luther King uh, in his I Have a Dream speech when he repeated again and again, in a rising crescendo at the end of the speech, let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. 
And so as we think about these quotes from our own history, we recognize the value of freedom. And we, we have affirmed as a people, as American people, that that freedom we value is meant to be the gift of God. It is the heart of God. It is the will of God for men and women to live in freedom. Freedom is so vital to the American way of life that it's part of our culture and part of our worldview. It's how we believe that life is meant to be lived. But as familiar as those quotes are for us as Americans, what you might not realize is that they actually reflect the truths of Scripture. So freedom is not just an American value. More importantly, it's a biblical value. Liberty is God's heart for us, God's will for us. And the scriptures affirm that in a multitude of different ways. They reflect the words, um, the heart of God. The words of, of God reflect the heart of God. And so I want you to hear some words from scripture declared and proclaimed as God's heart for us regarding freedom and God's calling upon our lives. And I want these words to be declared over us and into us in, in such a way that they, they might begin to shape our mindset and give us a renewed focus of the vision um, of life as God intends it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to have a little declaration relay. And uh, to do this, uh, I need some volunteers to help me out. And let me tell you what you're volunteering for. I'm looking for four people that can proclaim scripture with some passion and enthusiasm, and I'm going to give you each two verses to read, as opposed to me reading them all. It'd be much more fun if we do this together. So who'd like to help me out? I need four volunteers. All right, Gerald, come on right over here. There's the first one. And there's the second one. Is everybody else? I'm, I'm looking. All right. Okay. Deanna, come on. I'm going to have you right back there in the corner by Eric. Okay. Here's your first one. And here's your second one. All right. Who's next? Okay. Becky, thanks. Great. All right, we're going to use the handheld here, Matt. Um, so I'm going to give you this one. Okay. Yes, please. And that one. Okay. And last but not least, I need one more great volunteer, or I'm going to pick somebody. Did, who, I saw a hand over Okay, great. Thank you. Jackie. All right. Now, um, just a quick word of instruction, okay? Um, you're going to read these scriptures, but I want you to not just read them, I want you to proclaim them. I want you to declare them over us, okay? And I want all of you that are listening to listen closely for the heart of God and the call of God reflected in these words of scripture. So what you're going to do is you're going to read one, okay? And then, uh, Gerald, you'll take the microphone over to Deanna, and she'll read her first one. And then she'll take the microphone over to Becky. She'll read her first one. 
and then she'll take the microphone over here to Jackie, and she'll read her first one. And then, Jackie, you're going to walk over here and take the spot that Gerald was in and read your second one, and then we'll just continue right around until we finish um, with Becky reading the last one. Okay? We got it? All right. Let's bring it. Listen. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Stay there, Gerald. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. First Peter two sixteen Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Acts 13, 38 through 39. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Second Corinthians three seventeen. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. Galatians five one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. John eight thirty one to 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Actually, Jackie's got one more here. Go, go ahead. That's fine. Sure. Thank you. That's good. Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys helping me out there. Thank you. So you've just heard eight 
passages of Scripture, all of which speak to us from the heart of God about His desire, His intention, His will that we should live in freedom. Now, if we're going to understand what this means for us so that we can live it out and experience it more and more, we have to talk about the nature of freedom. We've talked about the nature of a calling, what it is to hear that divine influence and respond to it. But what is this freedom? What's the nature of the freedom that God is calling us into? And quite honestly, I think this is important for us to think about together because, um, as I said earlier, freedom can be misunderstood and misapplied. And there are many who think that they do something as an act of freedom and by doing it actually bring themselves into slavery. So let's talk about what freedom is. Here's the way that I'd like you to understand it. And I, I, I appreciate this definition because in my mind it covers every aspect of freedom. Political freedom, individual freedom, spiritual freedom, all aspects of freedom have one thing in common. Here's what it is. True freedom is the state of not being imprisoned, enslaved, or controlled by any master other than God. Not being imprisoned, enslaved, or controlled by any master other than God. Now we'll talk a little bit more about God as the exception to the rule here um, in just a bit. But what I want you to recognize first and foremost is that, that freedom is being able to live in a state of liberty where you are not imprisoned, enslaved, or controlled by any master. Look again with me at 2 Corinthians 3, or 5, 13 and 14, the beginning of this passage uh, or, I'm sorry, Galatians 5, 13 and 14, uh, where Paul writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. So we've talked about the first part of the statement already, what it means to be called. But here's where Paul begins to clarify what he means by freedom and how freedom is meant to work in our lives. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I want you to consider with me that, that freedom, living in freedom, does not mean that you are never a servant. Living in freedom does not mean that you are never a servant. But there's a, different, there's a difference and a significant one between being a voluntary servant and being made to serve being forced to serve. What Paul's calling forth in us is the freedom to choose servanthood. Serving God, first and foremost, and serving others in love is the mark of freedom by God's definition. And this is a, it's a bit disorienting or confusing because it's not commonly understood as what freedom is really all about. What I'm saying is that freedom and servanthood are intertwined together by God's definition. Think 
carefully and look closely at the words Paul uses. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. I remember hearing a story years ago, and I probably won't get all the details right because I couldn't, I couldn't, I looked and I couldn't find the reference, the original reference from which I'd learned the story. But it was the story of a ruler many, many years ago um, who had uh, a a power struggle with his own brother. And uh, one brother became king and the other brother wanted to be king. And in order to uh, keep the the brother who was a threat uh, in his proper place, the, the king Um, confined his brother um, to a room in a castle. At first, he confined him with lock and key. And the man was constrained. He was imprisoned. He was enslaved to his own brother, kept in that room. But eventually, eventually, the room was unlocked and the brother was invited to leave. But here's the catch. Here's the catch. Listen to this. The brother who was king, upon enslaving his his younger brother, began to feed him all sorts of delectable food in his confinement until the young man grew to become quite obese and addicted to food as his comfort. Eventually, When the older brother, the king, had accomplished his purpose, he unlocked the door and said to his younger brother, you're free to leave whenever you want. But he continued to feed his younger brother the same same food, the same fare. It might not surprise you to learn that the younger brother never left that room. But the remainder of his life, he was confined, not by lock and key, but by his own appetite. He was enslaved, not by his brother or by the room that he was kept in. He was enslaved by his own desire, by his own appetite. You see, freedom is often thought of and misunderstood as the freedom to do whatever we please. That's the way Americans often think of it and define it, the freedom to do whatever we please. But what I'm driving at is that the Bible teaches us something very different about the nature of true freedom. We can actually be enslaved by our own sinful desires and appetites. So while you may think you're free to do whatever you want and act upon that desire, that desire may actually enslave you This is the irony, the paradox of how freedom really works from God's perspective. You see, what the Bible teaches us and what Paul's driving at, even here in Galatians 5, is that freedom, true freedom, is is freedom from our sinful desires and appetites. So, In some instances, we're actually held captive internally by ourselves, even when we're not held captive externally by another person or power. Human desires or appetites left to themselves and not submitted to God are not expressions of freedom 
To the contrary, they're actually expressions of our slavery to sin. So think about the ongoing debate in American culture about what freedom is and how freedom should be expressed and experienced. 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was a significant debate over what's now referred to as freedom of choice, the freedom of a woman to terminate her pregnancy with an abortion. Over time, the argument has changed and other types of freedom have been championed in our culture and in our country. The freedom to marry someone of the same gender or the freedom to choose to even change your own gender have become popular rally cries with regard to freedom. But do they really lead to freedom? Are they really an expression of freedom? I don't think so. You see, what God's speaking to us in his word is that freedom from his perspective is not the freedom to do whatever we want. It's freedom from our desires and appetites. The things of the flesh that would enslave us. So the reality is then that people are always free to make poor choices and do bad things even when those things are legal. Even when they're illegal. But true freedom is not just the freedom to choose to do whatever you want. That's actually the tyranny of self-indulgence. The tyranny of self-indulgence. Taken to its natural conclusion, such an extreme value of individual freedom would actually lead to, to limiting any and all laws. Think about it. If somebody really wants absolute freedom to do whatever they want, then they should, then they should want to do away with any and all laws or rules. Why do we have laws or rules in the first place that curb our freedom? Why are they important to a civil society? Because they protect us from ourselves and from other people. Consider that Paul used this language about slavery because it was common in his day for people to understand the reality of slavery. Slavery was still permissible. And so one of the things we find uh, described, particularly in Romans 6, is that this language of slavery was used by Paul because he knew that everyone could relate to it. Everyone could understand it. What he's saying, essentially, is consider what it means to be a slave, enslaved to another person as your master, and then apply that same principle spiritually to the reality of sin at work in your life. You can be mastered by sin just as you can be mastered by another person. So just as human beings long and cry out to live in freedom externally, freedom from enslavement or imprisonment or the control of other people or powers, people also long to live in freedom internally or spiritually. In fact, that's the kind of life, freedom, in Christ that we were made for, that we were designed for. 
We were designed to live in right relationship with God and with one another until the fall soured both of those relationships. So spiritual freedom or freedom in Christ is freedom from sin and its negative effects in our lives. And the more we live in this freedom and experience it, the more we enjoy life as God intended it. That's the invitation that we've been given. If we want to experience life to the fullest, we have to continually pursue freedom in Christ. Freedom from whatever masters us, whatever controls us. Now, let me close this morning by just drawing your attention to the irony that Paul um, speaks of, both in Galatians 5 and especially in Romans chapter 6. I want to close with a statement that um, seems, again, paradoxical, uh, seems confusing at first glance, but this is the biblical reality that Paul's describing for us. Essentially, what he's saying, both in Galatians 5 and in other places, is that freedom in Christ is actually voluntary slavery to Christ. Think about that. Freedom in Christ is actually voluntary slavery to Christ. It's not forced. It's your choice to respond to the Lordship of Christ and allow him to master how you live. Look with me for just a moment at a cross-reference that's particularly helpful when it comes to this theme. It's Romans chapter 6, verses 15 and following. Same author. Speaking of the same theme, but in a different context. And it adds some color to what we find in Galatians 5. Paul writes, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, what Paul is describing, again, is a supreme irony, a supreme paradox, that to walk in freedom from sin is to voluntarily offer yourselves as a slave 
to Christ, a servant of Christ. It's to be enslaved, if you will, to righteousness, to obedience, to the way of life that God has invited you into. And we do this not to earn God's grace, but as our response, as our response to the reality of God's grace and forgiveness. So over the coming months, we're going to press in on this theme um, some more. I want to close with an illustration of how this works and what it looks like. It's a story from a young woman named Sherry who uh, wrote uh, about her own relationship with her father and the way that that relationship had shaped her in many negative ways. She writes, My childhood was one of great fear. I grew up with an alcoholic father who frequently had bouts of drinking followed by fits of rage. I learned at an early age to run and hide in the safest place that I could find in our home. But the truth is, there really was no place to escape. Even though my mother tried to hold the home together, I withdrew more and more. In the midst of my father's alcoholic rage, he would often say very abusive and demeaning things to me and to my siblings. It caused me to live in fear with a deep sense of rejection, mistrust, and hopelessness. And this continued right into my adult years. How I longed to be loved by my father. When I was a young girl, my uncle came to our home and shared the love of Jesus with me. He gave me a small white Bible and prayed with me. I cried out to Jesus. I remember having a sense of joy But the excitement would dissipate in time. There would be no one to teach or mentor me for many years. I know now, looking back, that God loved that broken little girl in that alcoholic home. As a hurting young woman, I looked for any circumstance that would help me escape my volatile home life. A man came into my life and offered me what looked like love and safety. I moved in with him, and we eventually married. Soon I realized that he had the same stronghold of alcoholism in his own life. To my horror, the nightmare went on, and my life became one of day-to-day survival. When I held our first baby in my arms, I desperately needed some reassurance and hope, knowing I was now responsible for this little life. I began to think about that little white Bible and the things my uncle had shared with me many years ago. I decided to go to church and begin to learn more about Jesus. I was excited about learning God's word for the first time and yet terrified of anyone finding out what my home life was really like. I continued my pattern of hiding even in the midst of believers. Then God did something beautiful in my life. I heard there was a Bible study called Healed and Set Free being offered in our church. And there was one opening left in the study. The Lord moved upon my heart, and I was able to set my fear aside and sign up for that class. It was a decision that would change my life forever. This beautiful study took me back to God's Word, and for the first time, I began to understand what Jesus did for me at the cross. I realized that the sin of not forgiving my father broke God's heart just as much as my dad's sin. I began to see my dad now through the eyes of Christ with love and forgiveness. 
I could pray for my dad now that I felt the love of Christ for him. I would visit him with him without the bitterness or fear in my heart that used to be there. Then a miracle happened. My dad chose to stop drinking after he became seriously ill. He began to seek the Lord and read the Bible. I would visit with him and he would talk to me about the Lord and ask me questions. Then one incredible day, my dad asked me to forgive him for all the wrong that he had done to me. I was able to look at him with all sincerity and tell them that I had already forgiven him. It was a beautiful moment for both of us, and the thought of it still brings me to tears to this day. My dad would pass away not long after that miracle. Because the Lord showed me the way of freedom and forgiveness, I was able to have those final days of relationship with him, and I will be forever grateful. That's a story about a woman who discovered the freedom that Jesus is calling each one of us into. Freedom in Christ. It's God's desire, it's God's intention, it's God's invitation. And he extends it to each one of us. For that reason, over the next several months, summer months, we're going to work together through what are called the Steps to Freedom. It's a workbook uh, put together by a fantastic author and and, um, leader named Neil Anderson. And uh, some of you are probably familiar with his material, but um, it's actually been several years, many years since I've taught on this. So I'm excited to revisit and refresh uh, on that theme of freedom in Christ. So if you're interested, I want to commend to you uh, this workbook called The Steps to Freedom in Christ. Uh, we've ordered a few of these already, and uh, my intention is to order a good, a good many more. And what I'd like to do is to offer that to you as a helpful tool to work through any unresolved spiritual or emotional issues in your own life so that you can experience more and more of the freedom in Christ that God has in mind for you. That's, my friends, what we're going to do together over the next two or three months. I pray that God will use this in each one of our lives and that it will be a time of of growth, of increasing freedom, and that um, in this way, each of us will um, experience more freedom and have opportunity to live in a way that others are attracted to. Let's pray.